My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. <laughs> You're gonna do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. In the mud, blood, and beer. Years that I'm not working Fourth of July. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. Hope you guys are all having an amazing whatever day of the week it is for you. Today, we have another amazing episode here with my guest who started dispatching at 19 years old and is now entering their 23rd year as a dispatcher. Time sure does fly when you're having a good time. My guest today, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being willing to jump on with me. Um, I, I put out a call uh, to folks on the, the internet, um, asking them to fill up my calendar. Let's get, you know, everybody on the show, sharing your journey. And I believe you are one of the folks who answered that call. Um, so I really appreciate you being willing to chat with me and share your story. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's exciting. How did you get into public safety? 19 years old? I mean, I remember 19-year-old Ashley, and let me tell you, <laughs> I don't see her answering the 911 calls at that point. 19-year-old Nikki was a very different Nikki than 42-year-old Nikki, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I never wanted to be a dispatcher. I don't come from a public safety family. Um, I actually, I wanted to be a special education teacher, and I was going to mm-hmm. school for that. All of my high school internships were at special education schools, working with handicapped children. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, So I moved to a new area about 45 minutes away from where I had grown up. And I started hanging out at a volunteer firehouse. I didn't know anything about firehouses. I didn't know that there were volunteers, you know, where where I had grown up, it was a paid system. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wow, you can hang out here. Like, it, you know, it was yeah. really cool. so I hadn't joined. I just was hanging out at the firehouse and mm-hmm. um, people would go out on calls and they would come back in and they're like, oh, my gosh, did you see this? Did you see that? And I was like, I want to see. I want to see. <laughs> and they're like, well, you have to join. I didn't want to join. I didn't want to be a firefighter or an EMT or any of that. I just, you know, I never, it wasn't on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but from spending so much time at the firehouse, I would, would be in the radio room most of the time and I would hear the calls go out and I would mm-hmm. hear tones. And I, from sitting there listening, I learned to recognize uh, what different tones sounded like and what they stood for. And so I, at one point, you know, I was mocking the dispatcher, not mocking, like making fun of them, but like saying what they were saying. Mm. And um, somebody was like, they would all look at me like, what is this girl doing? (laughs) And so somebody said, you know, they're hiring, right? And I was like, like, I would have never, I, I didn't want to do that. Um, but they brought me an application. They actually brought me two applications, one for the county that I was living in and one for a neighboring county that were both hiring at the same time. And I applied and I got hired on the first try, which, you know, looking back now and knowing what I know now after having sat on hiring boards I or interview boards, there, there's a guy that I work with who applied seven times before he got hired at my agency. Yeah. Seven times. And yeah. so 
I know that there are people who have tried and they don't get in the first time and they come back again. And I would have never done that. Never. So my life could be so different. I can't even imagine where it would be, where Mm -hmm. I would be right now if it hadn't taken the turn that it took when I was 19. Um, But I, that's my story. So I applied, I got hired and, and the rest is history. That is so freaking cool. It actually is um, one of the things I tell folks when, you know, they're reaching out to me like, oh, I couldn't get past critical or I, I, I had, I struggled in my interview or, you know, whatever the thing is that, especially the test is that you, it is something that you may have to do multiple times. It's not something that everyone gets on the first try for many, many, many reasons. You know, um, it's just one of those jobs that if the, if you hear a no, try again, because right. the likelihood of getting in the second, third or seventh time, like your coworker is, is high, right. you know, because there's so many reasons that someone could not be put through at that time in the process, but it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily right for this job as a dispatcher. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, do you remember? So like you went from uh, hanging out the, at the fire, fire, volunteer fire station to getting in the door, starting training. What was that transition transition like for you? Um, well, I don't think, I don't remember it being difficult. Um, I remember really enjoying what I was doing and just like, I felt like I belonged there. Um, I started out uh, dispatching fire, uh, Mm -hmm. fire EMS. And at that point in my career, there was no, which, you know, this is call volume has increased so much and just everything has changed so much from back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I first started, we didn't even have a designated call taker position or call taker work team. We -hmm. had fire dispatchers and we had police dispatchers. And Mm -hmm. so all of the calls came into fire dispatch. It was really thinking back, it was not very efficient um, Mm. because it would, all the calls would come into fire dispatch, fire dispatch would answer them. And Mm. then depending on what that person needed or where they were located, you would send them either transfer them either across the room to police side where they would process the call Mm -hmm. or to one of the different municipalities. If they needed a fire department or an ambulance, we would keep that call and and process it. But that was before protocols. We didn't have EMD, EFD, EPD, none of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a list of questions that were meant to guide you. You didn't have to abide by those questions by any means, but Mm -hmm. what a different world we live in now. Um, You know, eventually my agency became the first tri-ACE accredited uh, agency in the United States. It was only Mm -hmm. the second world. So to go from when I first started, we didn't even have protocols Mm -hmm. to being able to see us be tri-ACE was, you know, incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I think that speaks to the reality of how young 911 is. And I don't think uh, folks realize that who are outside of the world, who are used to having 911 available to them, is that 911 is so new right. that when Nikki started 23 years ago, protocol was minimal, if at all. And it is still 
a battle for consistency amongst the states of how things are done, um, especially when we're talking about medical and um, EMD and things like that. Um, there's a different level of uh, protocol that's established now that if you're starting dispatching today that you're used to. But like you're saying, back then, you folks were, you know, live about the journey. You were kind of winging we, it a little bit. We were winging it. We were absolutely <laughs> winging it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, when you guys started implementing this protocol, because dispatches, we love change. It's our favorite thing in the world. Um, what was that like for you guys? Like having to ask these questions? Was there a lot of pushback or were you guys like, thank you. We would love some guidance. Like what? what I think was it, was a little, it was a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we, we would love some guidance, but at the same time, um, and especially during the tri-ACE process or, you know, for ACE accreditation, like you have to read this verbatim. And a lot of people struggle with that. You know, they, they like to put their own spin on it or, and, so, you know, you, you get a, a negative feedback for a call because you didn't say it the way that they wanted it said. And then, then you get mad because you've gotten this negative feedback. And yeah. it, it, so it definitely was a little bit of both. I mean, I think that the majority of people did want consistency and to be able to ask the same questions every time. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, you have a few people who even still to this day don't don't like protocols and some of them like uh, certain protocols more than others. Mm-hmm. Some, I think that everybody has um, pretty much come to terms with EMD. I think that, you know, that's, that's the more widely used protocol among mm-hmm. different agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have some agencies who only use EMD. They don't use EFD or EPD. Mm-hmm. I think people think that they can ask better questions themselves or, you know, I'll, I'll listen to my coworkers say, I don't like to be put in a box. You know, I I can ask, I know what I need to ask. And I try to explain like, you may know what you need to ask, but Mm -hmm. Jenny, you know, just started last week and she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And the caller that calls in and gets Jenny should be asked the same questions as the caller who calls in and gets Joey, who's worked here Mm -hmm. for 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I work police, so we we don't like the box either. Uh, we get we get to be a little more, um, you know, freestyling with our questions. And um, I think for folks who haven't had to call 911 and don't work in this field, um, especially on the medical side of things, um, if you're if you're not aware, the dispatchers are going off of, I don't know, like a a card screen. I, I don't know how you would describe it, um, but literally, like you say this thing, they click this button, and this question pops up. Right, and so then they have to ask that question, word for word, um, that the screen is telling them. Or like Nikki said, they can get some negative feedback. It's a liability issue. It's a it's a it's a medical situation where you know this means this, it doesn't mean that, and we're not doctors answering the phone. Maybe you are, and you're just highlighting <laughs> as a dispatcher, uh, but still um, the liability behind it, A, it protects us as dispatchers, right? Like, hey, you said the thing, I asked the question, I'm protected. Um, and I think that is, for me, like I'm a policy gal. Um, I like to lean on the policies and I like to, to follow those because of the liability that is out there doing this line of work. Mm-hmm. 
it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility to have people's lives in your hands. Mm-hmm. And how you answer that question, you know, mm-hmm. determines what comes next. If you don't mm-hmm. answer that question right, mm-hmm. because you weren't listening to what they said, or there's just, there's, there's a lot to it. So, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I just posted a reel yesterday, um, like one of the things that this channel is about, this podcast, et cetera, et cetera, is educating folks, you know, who are the everyday citizens. So when they do have to call 911, we make a good partnership, the caller and the and the dispatcher and folks who have better knowledge because it's an emergency, right? So it's, it's, it's an earthquake. It's a fire drill. It's a, you know, calling 911. It should all be practiced. It should all be known. And if someone has a better understanding of what happens when you dial 911, then we're going to work better together. If I know that I'm calling for a medical reason and the call taker is asking me questions or repeating the question because I didn't answer it fully and I have an understanding even in my emergency that the reason they're asking is because they're going off this card to help my my person then I'm going to be a little more easy to manage than someone who's like zero understanding why are you asking me these questions just get here all that nonsense I think that's very important I love that about about your podcast because I think that public education is is lacking in this field. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more people know, the better the better off they'll be. Knowledge yeah. is power, right? Yeah. You know, someone else on my podcast, and I, I cannot remember who said it. Um, so sorry if you're listening, you're like, hey, that's mine. Um, but they said uh, the fire department does the best job in public safety of educating themselves out of the job and like when they said that it was like wow it's true like they do you know um they teach you how to use a fire extinguisher they they teach you how to you know stop drop and roll they teach you all of these things in regards to fire safety so you don't call them (laughs) you know and i think we need to be doing the same thing in 911, educating the public when to utilize it, what it's there for, how to look up our non-emergency numbers because they do exist. Um, because we want you to call us when it's appropriate, when it's needed. We want you to utilize everything else um, when it's appropriate. But a lot of times we're the safety net because we know we're going to dial 911 and someone's going to pick someone's up. Someone's going to be there. We're always going to be there. Yeah, someone's always going to be there. So we definitely want to continue to educate folks. So you are calling 911 for the right reason. So we are not blocking someone else from calling 911. And that's another thing people don't realize either is like, if you are at a, a smaller agency or a smaller department, you could have four 911 lines compared to a larger agency that has like 27, 30 911 lines. So if four people are calling 911 and you're the fifth, you might get rolled over or, you know, because all those lines are tied up. That's why we're like, we can't deal with this on 911 if it's not a non-emergency. And that's just a reality. I don't, people, I don't think understand very much either. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have been dispatching longer than you haven't been dispatching. I have. <laughs> What was that like for you starting at 19 
Would you do it again? Would you recommend it for folks? What was that like? In a heartbeat. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I, you know, it was all I knew, so I didn't know any different. I know when I started, I was the youngest person in our center um, by several years, which at that age felt like longer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was the youngest by, by age, by several years, the next oldest person, you know, I was 19. The next oldest was, or the next youngest rather was 25. And that Mm -hmm. six year gap felt like an eternity between 19 (laughs) and 25. Um, But I was the, the baby of the center uh, for several years because we didn't at that point in time, right now we have such a turnover. I can't even remember all these people that have come in and gone and come in and gone. But Back then, we didn't have such a, a quick hiring rate, and so my my group of people that came in, I was the baby and was a baby for a long time. And now, at forty two years old, I'm the oldest person on my shift. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the only one who's married with children. Like it, it's weird. It's I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like this is like, is this what they call the midlife crisis? <laughs> so you know. It feels weird being, I, I saw a shirt the other day that said, it feels weird being the same age as old people, but <laughs> that, that's how it feels to me is, you know, my, my person that trained me when I was 19 year, years old was a little bit older than I am now. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like she was so much older, yeah. but like, well, they'll say, you know, Oh, the, you're the shift mother. I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to be the shift mother. I don't want <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm 21. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like yeah. it's just, I've blinked and it's gone by. It's, I can't even, when I see it written or I hear it said, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, or sometimes we'll have kids that'll come in for a tour. And mm. when I, I say, you know, I've been, or they'll ask me, you know, how long have you been doing this? I'm like 23 years. They're like, first of all, first of all, kid, close your mouth. Don't, don't act like that's right. <laughs> I was three when I started. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it, it's true. It's just, it's one of those things that time moves different in a comm center, mostly because they don't allow us to have windows a lot of the time. So it's kind of like Vegas. You don't really know what time of day it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it, it is true. Like I'm going on to my sixth year now and it's just like, man, that's, that's closer to 10 than it's not, you know? And it is just one of those jobs where you're right. You blink and you're just like, where did the time go? Yep. Um, I even actually had an academy mate still. I'm still really good friends with today. Um, I feel like I went through all her milestones with her. She was 20, 19 or 20 when she came into academy with us, turned 21. I'm like, oh, you can drink now. <laughs> I got married and is now a mother. I'm like, that's, yeah. I feel like in, <laughs> right. in five years, we done grown 30 years. And <laughs> yep. it is just, it is wild how, how things progress so quickly um, in this line of work for sure. And I think the, the longer you go and the older you get, the faster it goes. Mm. Ain't that the truth? Oh my gosh. Do you remember any of your, first calls or early calls for service? I, there are some calls that stick out um, mostly because they weren't like run of the mill calls. They were Mm. traumatic in their own right. Um, Mm. 
I know that when I first started, I started on the radio. So, and that, you know, then, which is totally different than how they do it now, they start them as call takers and then they progress to radio. But back then, back then it was different. So they were like, you won't learn today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We just throw you in. Right. Um, But I, you know, I just, I remember there are a few calls that stick out in my mind that, that, I experienced that. I still think about these callers that, you know, 23 years later, wonder how they are, where they are, whatever, whatever happened, because that's one of the things that is difficult about this job is that we don't often get a lot of closure. You know, we don't get to find out what happened to the majority of our callers. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a difficult thing. I wish that um, we had a little bit more closure that mm-hmm. you could go home and, and know what the end result of something was. Mm-hmm. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. Would you say that access to closure as far as like the amount of information that an officer can provide or is provided on these calls has increased for dispatchers over the years? Like, do you think you have more access to like the full information the way an officer does compared to when you first started? Well, definitely as far as technology goes, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've evolved to the point where there are certain things that you can look up yourself and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, um, so I'm with my second agency right now. Um, my first agency, I feel like at that point in time, we were a smaller agency and everybody knew everybody and you had a, like a camaraderie with each other and you could call up so-and-so and be like, hey, like, you know, yeah. this is bugging me. Like what happened with this call? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not going to tell you anything that they're not supposed to, but they yeah. at least are able to fill in some blanks for you or help you to have a little bit of a better understanding. Um, the agency that I'm at now is a little bit larger and I feel like times have changed mm-hmm. and, and I'm a newer person at that agency. I don't know a lot of the people, they don't know me. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's something that I really need to know, I have ways that I can look up and find out. But mm-hmm. I think that in general, yes, we have, we have evolved to the point where um, you do find out more information now than you did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, um, it's good that we're we ha- we're able to ask those questions. We're able to get answers because you know, like you said, there is often times where we don't get closure. You know, um, as a dispatcher, I just spent you know five minutes listening to this person, you know, go through this real traumatic event, and then you know my units get there, the line disconnects, and then my phone rings, and I'm on to the next call. Right, and that's just kind of the reality of dispatching and one of the biggest differences between um, a patrol unit and a dispatcher is that 
they're going to sit on that call for a while. While they're on that call for an hour, I've gone through 10 calls already, you know? So just the, the tabs that get left open in our mind, you know, are just a little more extensive um, because then our imagination starts playing in it. You know, we heard this thing, we're imagining this is what it looks like and it could be something completely different um, than what we're imagining. So having that relationship, being able to um, connect with our officers, connect with our uh, uh, brass and upper management um, to get those questions answered, I think really does go a long way uh, to helping us close some of those tabs in our mm-hmm. mind. And it's not every call. I mean, mm-hmm. some, sometimes it's not even a big call, but you'll just mm-hmm. you just happen to to still wonder about that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's super important to realize for everyone, like something might just bug you. Um, something might sit heavy with you. Something might surprise you that bothers you. You're just like, oh, I didn't know that would, I didn't know that was one of my things, you know, like, and, and our things change. They, mm-hmm. they evolve as we evolve, you know, things that bothered 19 year old dispatch, you know, Nikki, or things that didn't bother 19 year old dispatch, Nikki might bother Nikki 23 years into this, you know? So we just grow as people, um, life changes for us. And that, that does affect the way that calls affect us too. Well, and then just hearing you say that made me think, and then on the flip side, things that like, might have shocked me when I was younger, when I was newer at this job, or mm. I'm just like, you know, eh. mm. and I know I had a, a new person sitting with me just recently that they're, they're still in the Academy right now, but they came out onto the floor just to sit for an hour mm. or so. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they listen to this call with me, they're plugged in and they're muted and they're listening to it. And then you hang up from that call and you move on to the next one. And they're like, but how? Like, how, <laughs> how does that not even bother you? Know, like, like, do you need a hug? I'm here for you. Right. I, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> right. But I mean, that's how they're, they're like shocked. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe that you just, that didn't even bother you or didn't phase you or, you know, mm-hmm. you just moved on to the next call. Well, mm-hmm. and eventually you will too, you know, yeah. like when I first started that, that probably may have bothered me, but now now that I've seen and heard a lot more, I always say people ask you all the time when they hear what you do, you know, oh, what was your worst call or, you know, what was whatever? And I'm like, nobody calls 911 because they're having a good day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It's very, very, very true. Yeah. I, it's always, you know, when I think about like my worst calls or like the things that bother me the most, they're never the like, they're never the hot 911 calls. Cause you know, it's like, those are, for me, it's like, you're supposed to be calling 911 for this. You know, it's like, this is, this is a good reason to call 911. And like, those stories are wild and crazy and, and tragic and sad and all those things. But it's the ones where I wasn't expecting to be handling this, like a non-emergency line or a, or just an info call that just blows up. And you're mm-hmm. just like, those are the calls that really like when I get you off guard. Yeah. And when I'm asked like to remember it, cause I'm very good at like forgetting, you know, mm-hmm. like I can't just pull calls out, you know, it's one of the reasons why I send that question ahead. Like, so folks can like be thinking about it, it because I, I can't just pull calls out. You know, I'm not going to expect anyone else if they're going to operate the way I do. Um, but it's always the calls that like are not emergency, not expecting, like you're not supposed to have an emergency right now. I remember at, I put a call on hold, not emergency call, 
we had a couple nine one ones going. So we're like, do you have an emergency or can you hold? I can hold. Okay. And I dealt with my nine one one, and I was like, you know, I feel something. My little, my little dispatcher gut, my little dispatcher on my shoulders, like, ah, I just feel like that call that I just put on hold is something more. And they didn't. They said they could hold. They said they didn't have an emergency. Just something in my gut said, <laughs> like, work through this nine one one quickly so you can grab that. So I pick it up, and I'm like, yeah, I can help you. What's going on? And they're like. Oh, you know, I, I own this I own this store over here. And, you know, some guy just come and came in with a gun and tried to rob me. But I had a gun, too. And they left. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that is an emergency. <laughs> right? And then you're like, oh, you know, I just pulled my gun out. They had their, they left. You know, it's fine. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> How long ago? <laughs> like, give me all the details. But, like, that's a non-emergency line for you. Like. You know, in which I, I appreciate someone being like, this is an emergency. I'm fine. You know, but when guns are involved, let's call 911. You know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's when we want to know. Right? That's the one time. And I don't know why, but just the way, I don't know, in my little dispatcher mind was like, answer that phone a little quicker if you can, you know? <laughs> but yeah, just out here, out here protecting the store, you know? Power to you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but what is one thing you wish you knew early in your career? I mean, you've been doing this 23 years. You started when you were 19. Looking back, if you could tell your younger self something, what would it be? That you should never stop learning. Never. So I learn things every day. I don't walk in and think that, you know, oh, I've been doing this this so long. I know all there is to know. There's always going to be a better, a better way or, you know, you can learn something new from someone who just started. Hmm. So just never stop learning. You can always, we have a lot of downtime in this job. We're, we're unique, right? You know, mm. you're paid to just sit there and wait for something to happen. Mm. And so mm. in that downtime, read over your protocols, do continuing education, you know, look up things that, that may help you. I, I search, I'm constantly searching on the dispatcher groups on Facebook for, you know, people will give hints or suggestions or like, this helps me do this, or this helps me do that. We all have different systems. So I don't mean within like our CAD system, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we share, I make a, a list. I have a list on my hard drive of resources that mm -hmm. I frequently, um, fast people search family tree. Now, like mm -hmm. just all these different things that, you may need one day you would, you, yeah. you know, you would be surprised that, you know, and, and it'll trigger like you'll, you'll be doing something and all of a sudden you'll be like, wait a minute, that, that sounds familiar. And then I pull up my resource list and there it is. So mm -hmm. never stop learning, never stop trying to be the best dispatcher you can be. And then don't remember, or don't remember, don't forget why you started, why you, you came to do this job in the first place. So, mm -hmm you know, ultimately we're here to help people. So regardless of what their emergency is or how much of an emergency we consider it, mm -hmm. we're always there. They know that we're always there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just don't, don't forget that. Don't forget that, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes people need 
need help in different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. that help is just a, a voice on the other end of the phone to pick up. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's so true. And, and I do, you know, obviously I love the, the, the internet, the social media spaces, the, the ability to connect with um, dispatchers all over the world. And it is true. Like all these folks, there's people out there who are CTO minded, who are putting out resources, who are, um, putting out training, who are doing online free conferences, you know, all these different ways that you can learn from dispatchers that you would never be in the same same comm center with, you know? Um, I say I learn something new from my partners every day, especially if I like go in for overtime and I'm working on a shift that I haven't been working on. Like if you just listen to people take their calls, the way they ask their questions, or, you know, their, their tones, like there's just so many things you can learn just from sitting in a room with someone and go, Oh, I like the way they ask that. Or that's a good question to ask. I'll remember, I'll try to remember to ask that on a call that I get like that, you know, and it's just something that simple. Like it doesn't have to be um, a task, right? Like you just, you learn by absorbing, you know, you learn um, from each other, from each call and you can always be a better dispatcher. You know, you can always get better. And I think sometimes we can get a little toxic in our centers and feel like we we can't learn or we are the best. And, and it's just, this is one of those jobs where, you know, the thing is always changing. I mean. Every day. Always always changing. If I don't got a new something policy in my week, in my email, a new, a new change in tech, a new, like, this isn't working. Yeah. (laughs) Where is it? Where's that one button? I mean, it's constant. And, you know, we talk about mental health and the resources that are being available now, you know, uh, to give officers more support, you know, um, out there in the field for folks who are having a, a mental health crisis who don't necessarily want to deal with the police. Like we're, we're wrapping in all those resources to access through the comm center and it's up to dispatch to be able to route them to the right places. And it's just always growing and always new. It's just, it blows my mind. There's always something to learn. Always. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, I mean, I've said this before, it's just like tech, you know, I imagine you, you've seen probably tech change tremendously um, in your career. And I feel like I've seen tech change tremendously in my career. And I'm only six years in, you know, text and I one blew up in my, in my five years, uh, the mapping systems, like the rapids. Uh, yeah. That blew up, you know, this uh, <clears throat> technology being able to uh, access streaming through um, 911, though I haven't used it in any of my centers, it's out there. The idea of it mm-hmm. has blown up in the last five, six years. Um, it's, it is just, it's, it's wild. Um, it's wild in two fronts, which is that a, we, we don't have, we haven't had it already. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's the reality. People don't realize when they call is like that. We don't always know where you are. Um, you need to know where you are 
to help us. Like we want to get there as quickly as possible. I don't want to send my officers six blocks from you. I want them to come to your block, you know? Right. Um, and that technology is coming slower to 911 than it is to maybe Uber or, or Lyft, you know? It's crazy. And, exactly. And people don't have that knowledge. And again, it goes back to us educating the public on the realities of emergency services is we want to know where you are, but we don't necessarily always do. And we don't want to depend on the technology. It's helping us, but we don't want to uh, base someone's life on this tech if we can confirm it with them over the phone, you know? I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man. Well, and just yeah. that, when I think back to how many, you know, the majority of our calls mm-hmm. 23 years ago were landline calls. People didn't have, myself included. I had, you know, mm-hmm. I had a pager. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a cell phone. I, I was working. Yeah. It just, it's crazy to me that, you know, when that, that little sound pops up and you've got that text, like, what, yeah. what, what is it going to be in 10 more years? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what, what is it going to be like for us? You know, I'm really waiting for like, when we're like dispatching like Iron Man, you know, like I'm trying to be in the center when, when that happens. And I think that'd be an awesome time. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it to that, but that would be cool. <laughs> I, well, I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> I hope I'm long gone before before we <laughs> before we get that in there, but it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> no more screens; it's just all like on the glass. Right? <laughs> well, as as we come to a close, um, the last thing that I ask everyone who comes on and joins me is, what advice would you give someone who is considering a career as a dispatcher? Do it. Do it. <laughs> I, uh, this has been life-changing for me and in good ways and bad ways, it's been life-changing, but I, I definitely think more good than bad. I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, I said, it, it sounds cliche, but this is the only job that has made me feel fulfilled. Even when I have thought about, you know, taking a job with a better schedule or a, a job with better pay or where people aren't screaming at you all the time, you know, <laughs> this is the job where I feel like I make the most difference every day. And so I, I think take the chance. It, this isn't a job for everyone. So if you do it and and you feel like it isn't for you or you don't like it, there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. But it may just be the best decision you ever made. So true. So true. Nikki, thank you so much for jumping on with me today. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy you found this career at 19. That's so awesome. And I'm sure you are impacting your center and those those new kids on the block who are coming through. You know, you've been there you're able to share your story with them. And I'm sure it's really helpful to, for them through their training. I hope so. I hope, I hope that, uh, that I can be a friend and a, a knowledge to, to someone, you know, I, I want them, th- this is the next generation, right? We want to train them up to be the best. So, exactly. and fun. I know you're reaching a bunch of people with this episode. So definitely. Thank you, Nikki. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Ashley. It was very nice to meet you. Awesome. I'll be right back with you. Okay. 
All right, everybody. That was another amazing episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch. Nikki, thank you so much for being willing to jump on and share your story with everyone today. Um, like Nikki said, just do it. And if you do it and you end up saying, ah, this isn't for me, that's cool too. You know, one thing we talk about here is we need more dispatchers. <clears throat> Excuse me. We need more dispatchers, but we need happy dispatchers as well. We need you to feel fulfilled in what you're doing. And if you try it and it doesn't work out, that is okay. But try it, like Nikki said, might change your whole life. Until next time, everybody, stay raspy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch, a Raspy Dispatcher production. If you like the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest, head to the raspydispatcher.com and check out our additional resources. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody.